Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Lord, we are not shy and we're not silent concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. For He is seated on the throne at the right hand of you, O Heavenly Father, from where He reigns and from where He prays and intercedes for us. So let everything that we do bring glory to our King, for He alone is worthy to be praised. And we say, Hallelujah, Lord, Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, the only name we pray this, and all of God's people say, Amen, Amen. Thank you very much, Ben. Welcome, everyone. Welcome in the house of God. And what a powerful song. We only play that song, I wouldn't have to preach at all, and it would settle it all. That's the power of that song. And it is wonderful to be in the house of God. It truly is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what hallelujah means? We just sang those words. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because we praise the Lord. I'm so glad to see so many of you here tonight. And you know what? We often say these things and we pray that God's presence be here. We want God's presence be here. We want His Holy Spirit to be present through our Lord Jesus Christ. But do we know what we say? Because if God's presence is here, it means this is holy ground. Because if God is here, it is holy. And God wants to be here because God, when He enters, He inhabits the place, He inhabits the people. And He wants to be present with you. So I want you, when we minister tonight, in this, whatever God does tonight, remember this. This is holy ground because God's Spirit is here. Always remember this. But I'm so glad to see that you are here because it means that you're alive and that you're not dead. And to all of those who are joining us on the live stream, also welcome to all the people who are alive and are dead. Because there was a time that all of us were dead. All of us were dead. And Jesus himself says here in Ephesians 2, 1 and 5, Paul writes it, he says, and you, Jesus, made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Before, when we were not saved, we did everything in the flesh. We only wanted to please one thing, and that is ourselves. But now that we are saved, we're here to please God. Because it's God's Spirit that is in us. God's Holy Spirit. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. That is the power of God's Holy Spirit. And if that is the case, then it means that I no longer walk according to the flesh. In fact, God's Word says, walk in the Spirit and do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because those two are at enmity with one another. They hate one another. They're always in opposition to one another. And we, since we have been saved, there is no more condemnation for us because it says that those who are in Christ and not in the Spirit, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, because there are two laws that are in opposition to one another. It says there in Romans 8 verses 2, there's the law of the Spirit of life has defeated the law of the Spirit of sin and death. That Spirit which is in us has defeated the law of sin and death. That is why you are alive. That's why I am alive tonight. Not just in the physical being, but in our spirits we live. We are alive. The law could only judge sin. 
The law could not excuse sin. Neither could the law make a way to cover the sin. Our Lord Jesus did that. And when that happened, the greatest thing happened in the Word of God. Everything that happened in the Old Testament building up to the New Testament, it said that the mystery was revealed. There is a mystery in the Word of God that could only be revealed when our Lord Jesus ascended to the heaven and the Holy Spirit was poured out because that mystery was revealed through God's Holy Spirit. And this is the mystery. The mystery is revealed to us. And you find that in the book of Ephesians 3 verses 2. This is the mystery that has been given. It says, the mystery of Christ is revealed. And it is this, that all Gentiles, who of you are Gentiles? Raise your hands, who are Gentiles? The rest of you, we say Bogartov. Because <laughs> eh? you then obviously are Jewish. The Gentiles are the non-Jews. This means the mystery of Christ is revealed in that the Gentiles should be now fellow heirs and partakers of God's promise in Christ. This is, amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are joint heirs now. God has said this mystery means that you and I as Gentiles are joint heirs. We are inheritors. We inherit those same promises that God gives in his Bible. And we are partaking of it right now. So God has given us promise now, which we all can enjoy. And God says in his word, all his promises are yes and amen. That sounds wonderful, but what does it mean for you and me when God says his promises are yes and amen? God says this, he says, you can have it all. You can have it all. It is yours, but only if you believe in Jesus Christ. You can have all my promises, but it has to come in Christ because it says God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. And when we say we want to have it all, we say to the Father, we trust what you say about Jesus and what he did. And then the, and then the Father says, Yes, it is yours, and amen, it will be so. This is the power of what those promises are. But God has given us blessings as well, and he says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies are yours, every one of them. And what does that mean? Because once again, it sounds beautiful and nice, but what does it mean to you and I? Firstly, those blessings, where are they? In the heavenly places. They're not here on the earth. They're in the heavenly places. So what does it mean for us? Is God not going to bless us here on the earth? Ah, let's go back to Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to 14. All those blessings was given to the seed of Abraham. But those blessings are the physical blessings that happen on the earth. And let me just mention a few of them for you. It says there that these blessings, God says, the fruit of your body will be blessed. Produce of the land will be blessed. There'll be increase in cattle your enemies will def be defeated and the rain will pour and will come down. These are the physical blessings. But now listen, and I want to read for you from the, uh, the Passion Translation, Ephesians 1 verses 3, what it says about these spiritual blessings. It says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. How beautiful is that? This is why we celebrate Him with all of our hearts. This is the Passion Translation. So we've got 
promises and we've got blessings. We've got blessings on the earth and blessings in the heavens, in the heavenlies. For you as the child of God, we get the double portion. We have the blessings on earth and we have the blessings in the heavenly places. How wonderful is it what God has given us? How wonderful is it what you and I have? Did you know that you have this? God says, all of this is yours. Take it through Christ, my son. But then I ask the question, but where are the people walking in these blessings? Why are the people suffering? Why are the people lacking? Why are they battling? Why are things not happening for God's people? Why are there people who are not walking in those blessings? We have people walking in the streets of despair. We have people in the valleys of hopelessness. We have people who are struggling. Their breakthrough has not come. Why is that the case? Why is the wealth still in the hands of the wicked? Why is the righteous not elevated and be placed in those positions where they ought to be? Why is that the case? And I asked those questions myself because I was troubled with this. God says all these things about His Word, and many people are not walking in those blessings and those promises. And God answered, and I'll share with you what God answered. And He says, firstly, some of you are going through difficulty and hardship, and those of you who are listening on the live stream, please take note because God speaks to you as well. That's how precious and, and loved you are. God says this, many of you are going through hardships and difficulty. God says, I'm preparing the next generation of the Jobs and the Josephs and the Esthers and the Ruths. So you must continue steadfast in what you are doing right now because God is busy preparing things for you to come. That's one part of it. And then God says these things. The reason why most of my people are not walking in my blessings and promises is because they've made wrong decisions, bad decisions. It is because they did not know me in the decisions that they've made. It is because they are unequally yoked, God says. God says it is because when they ask, they do not ask with faith. They have doubt when they ask. There are those, the Lord says, they are stubborn and they refuse to change. And then God says there are those who do not believe that what they ask, that I'm able to do that. And I thought, Lord, but what do we do then with these promises of yours and these blessings? Because God says it's in his word and it is for us, the believers. And God answers us. So let's go to the book of 2 Chronicles 20 because we're going to read from there a few verses. And whilst you're getting there, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we'll only read a few verses. That's in the Old Testament, if you're not sure. It's not Corinthians, it's Chronicles. You get one and two Samuel, one and two Kings, and one and two Chronicles. And just as a build-up to explain to you what's happened here, a king was reigning at the time in Judah, Jehoshaphat. And he did right in the eyes of God. And he just started cleansing the land. He sent out his Levites and the people into the whole of the land of Judah so that they established God's laws and precepts. And he said, all of the land of Judah will live by this. And he had just completed this and he get this news. Verse 20, he gets this news and he said, people come to him, they came to him and they told him this, the enemy is coming for you. And it's not just any enemy, three of them, it's the Ammonites are coming, the Moabites and those from, the, from, from Mount Seir, they are coming. So it's a three-pronged attack that is coming against Judah. 
and immediately it says he was fearful. And you think about this, his army consisted of more than a million soldiers. It is the greatest army since armies were numbered since the day of David. And he is fearful because of these enemies that are coming. And listen what he did. Let's go to verse three. After you heard this bad news, in verse three, and Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast through all out of Judah. He proclaimed a fast. How powerful is that? He proclaimed a fast in the land of Judah. He seeked God. And then verse 4 to 13, we listen to a prayer that this king has prayed. And he starts off, and firstly, he goes into the past. He tells the people of Judah, because all of them are present now. They're in Jerusalem at the temple when he prays and seeks God's presence. He reminds them of what God did for them in their past. So take a key of tonight's message. When you pray, always remind yourself of what God did for you in your past. Why do we do that? It reminds us how real God is. And it encourages us that God is still who he says he is. Jehoshaphat read this. Let's read there verse 6. I'm just going to read a few um, words there, a few sentences. Verse 6. And he said when he prayed, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? That speaks of supremacy. And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? He is the king of kings. And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Jehoshaphat is praying this in the presence of the assembly of all of Judah, and they are reminding themselves of who God is for them. Then he goes on. Are you, verse 7, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? Here he prays and he makes sure that the people of Israel understand this is the same God who drove out the enemy from Israel. This is the same God who protected Israel. He has not changed. The enemy wants to come and cause that fear, but now a fast is called and God answers his prayer. And let's go to verse 14 because there it says, God answers immediately after he's prayed. Because what happens, it says there that the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. A man by the name of Jehaziel. Immediately after he prayed, God answered through the spirit of prophecy. And then in verse 15, God answers and says what's going to happen. Let's go to verse 15. It says there, now this man, Jehaziel, speaks by the spirit of prophecy, and he says, listen all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God answers here, and this should have settled it all. For God, but God goes on. This is how beautiful our God is. When, when God tells us that He is going to break through for us, He does it properly. God gives a prophetic word here, and this would be sufficient enough for the whole of Judah to just rest in that. But look at the beauty of God's word. We miss it. 
verse 14 I want to go back to. And I want to read for you there. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon this Jehaziel, he was the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite who was from the descendant of Asaph. Now, that just seems like a lineage and a genealogy of men. And I can ask the team there at the back, please, to put on the slide that, uh, that I've prepared for you. Because here I want, to, I want you to know this. God doesn't answer this particular prayer just by the prophetic. He answers it through the lineage of the names of these men that he's mentioned. Look at the meaning of those names. That is the meaning of what it gives. And listen to the message, what God says through that. He says, God sees and he looks. Because he gives prophetic vision. This is what these names mean in Hebrew. Because God has remembered as a memorial, they whom God has built up, which is Israel. They whom God has carried away. He carried Israel away. For they are a gift of God. God gave Israel to the world so that we could see how God ministers and move through our nation that we may become encouraged. And it says there, for they were gathered together and assembled. Out of Egypt, he took them. And God brings it as a memorial. He's answering this prayer request through the genealogy as well as through the prophetic word. This is the double barrel, the confirmation. God is well in control of this situation. His people are not going to fall. How wonderful is it how God speaks. We see just the written word, but God speaks through His Spirit. God speaks through His whole word, through numbers, through colors, through names, and even the spaces between the words. That is the precious power of God's word. But let's go on. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering for this. Yes. Amen. Amen. And now we get to verse 17, which is the key verse for tonight. So God has promised now that he's going to break through. And now he's saying, this is what they need to do. Verse 17. Verse 17 says this, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He already prophesied that he's going to help them. And now he tells them, what, I'm, what must you do? What is it that you must do? God says to Jehoshaphat and for the whole of Judah, position yourselves, and I'll get to this in a second, and stand still. Why does God want them to stand still? And often God will tell you and me as well to stand still. Because we are always so eager to help God with a breakthrough, you know. As if God needs our help. But we always want to help God because we want to get the desired outcome that we desire. And God mostly have got a different outcome for our lives concerning the matters and the problems and the circumstances that we probably find ourselves in. But we are eager to help God and God says, I don't need your help. All I need is your obedience. I only need your obedience. And then he goes on and he says, see the salvation of the Lord. See the salvation of the Lord. In other words, you will be witness to it. Not only does God say he's going to fight that battle for you, God says you will see it. You will be a witness to it because you will talk about it and share about it in the years to come. But I want to get to this word, this word position yourself. What does it mean to position yourself? Because therein lies the key for this evening. And I want to start off by explaining it by virtue of, of, of sports. 
because in, I suppose in every sport there is a place where a position is critical in that sport. And let's take a sport that is just an individual sport, like golf or like tennis. In golf, no matter how you hit that ball, your aim is always to hit the ball as straight as you can because when you hit it in the other areas, you call it the rough areas. And there, there are obstacles and the grass is thick. So it's harder to get the ball out of there and you can't hit it as far. So your aim is to position that ball in the place where it's easy for you to get it as quick as possible in the least amount of shots to that flag. In tennis, for instance, when you play tennis, your aim is to position yourself to play as little shots as possible, otherwise you're going to tire yourself down. So you want to position yourself to get as quickly as possible to the point and win the game. If you look at it from a steam perspective, whether it's netball or hockey or rugby or cricket, every position in that team is vital because when you play your part in the position that you hold, you contribute to the end result, which is to win the game. If your position is not done properly, you impact the result of the team because they suffer because of that. That is the significance of a position. When you find yourself in the right position, the desired outcome of victory and winning is the obvious result that we will obtain. And if we look at this word position, what it means in the Hebrew, it says this. It says, you have to station yourself. You have to take a stand. It is to place yourself so as to stay. In other words, you don't move. Wherever you are positioned right now in your life, if it is not with God, then you need to move so that you can position yourself to stand with God and then don't move. This is what this is. Position yourself. In other words, align yourself with God. You have to align yourself with God because there you stand under the Almighty's protection and here He will guide and He will lead. What did Jehoshaphat did in order to position himself? He fasted and he called a fast upon the whole of Judah. He prayed in the assembly of all of Judah. And then he went and he obeyed what God asked him to do. Exactly that. He, he positioned himself, himself and he was still, he didn't move. God went out and obtained the victory. They didn't lift a finger. This is how God obtained the victory for them. And there's something that we must remember in all of this. When we seek God and position ourselves with God, we will always come to the place that we will have the victory. That's the only place that you're going to get victory if you position yourself with God. But we're walking around with the lies in this world because I ask this question, how is it still that kingdom of God citizens are not walking in those blessings and in those promises that God talks about? Why have the breakthrough not come? Because we believe this lie that the God of this world has still got authority over us. Let me tell you, the God of this world is only there because He has self-elevated Himself. He's taken up a place in this world that is not His. God gave it to Adam in the beginning, and because of sin it was taken. But do you think God is standing back and He say, Oh well, sin is now distance myself from the people. Satan has taken everything that I've given to the people. I can do nothing. Oh no, you've got it so wrong if you think that way because God says that is still ours. All those promises and all those blessings are still ours. We must claim it and we must take it for ourselves. We just don't understand and realize what God has really given us. He's given us 
His word. He says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. He's given us the armor of God. He's given us power and authority. He's given us ministering spirits, angels to take care, for, uh, to take care of us. He's given us the word that is in us. He's given us promises and He's given us blessings. He's given us the name of Jesus Christ. We have no reason not to walk in the fullness of what God has given us on this earth. The, the, the time has come to take back what Satan is holding. He can't keep it unless you take it back from him. If you walk in righteousness, and this is the qualification, if you walk in righteousness, he's got no legal right to withhold what is rightfully yours. In Christ, it is mine, it is yours, and we must take it because God has given it for us. But when we come in alignment with God, we walk in that righteousness. This is what is required. To walk in righteousness, we come in alignment with what God wants for our, for our lives. Three points I just briefly want to mention concerning positioning ourselves with God. When we position ourselves with God, we have to do these three, three things. Number one, you have to make a decision. And those who walk with God, who are positioned with God, they will make a decision where they know God. They will, they, will, they, will, they will come to God and ask His guidance and His leading. We will know God in our decisions. When Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, what did he do? He made a decision, he's going to climb up a tree. That's what he did. He positioned himself to be in that tree. And we all know what happened after that. When Elisha realized that the time for Elijah is coming to an end, what did he do? He positioned himself right next to Elijah. And he walked with him all the way until the moment that Elijah was taken up. And then that double portion blessing came upon him. That is the power of positioning yourself rightly. When you position yourself with God. The 12 disciples, they walked with our Lord Jesus for a long time. But there came a time when it became hard and difficult. In John 6, verse 66, we read that many of the disciples left. They departed. But these 12 positioned themselves with God. I remember a situation personally about 14 years or so ago. People in this church, friends of ours, we were in a group of friends and then something happened. We had no idea what happened, but suddenly we were excluded from all of this. These friends distanced themselves from us. Up until about a year ago, we didn't know what we did. And these people were in the church. They were in the Bible school even. And we determined in our house, we will not move from this church. We would rather come to the church on a Sunday and bear the hardship of seeing these people, not knowing what we have done, but we will not move from this church. We positioned ourselves to remain in this church 20 years later, we still here. They are all gone. When you align yourself with God, God takes care of your every season of your life. Amen. The second point concerning uh, positioning ourselves is this. We have to act. We have to do something in order to align ourselves with God. When we come in alignment with God, it requires action. Our Lord Jesus says this, because we are now safe, we must go out to do what? We must go out and make disciples. We must go and baptize. We must go and teach. Something is needed to be done. 
David himself had to go and to act. He aligned himself with God. He went down to the valley of Elah, and there he dealt with Goliath. Ruth did exactly the same. She could have gone back being a Moabite, but she said to Naomi, I don't care where you're going, and I'm paraphrasing now, but I'm with you. Where you go, I go. Your God will become my God. That's the decision that she took. Our Lord Jesus, he walked on the water, he acted. He was in the synagogue every Sabbath day to teach and to preach. He acted. Number three that we need to do, and the last one I want to mention is this. When you position yourself with God, God cannot help but bring his powerful presence into that situation. This is who he is. God's power comes and he changes circumstances. God's blessings and God's promises for you then becomes powerful. God cannot go against who he is. If he says all the blessings of Abraham is upon you, then he means it. So when you align yourself with God, the power of that manifests in your life and you see that. That is the power of what happens. When all of this happened, you read in verse 18 and 19, this powerful and wonderful thing. You know what the people of Judah did? The moment that God said to them, they're only going to have to position themselves, and they're only going to have to be still, and they're only going to have to watch and see. You know what they did? They started worshiping God, and then their voices became loud, it says, and they started praising God. This is the day before the battle. That is how they believed. They trusted everything that God said. And when the day of battle arrived, they had to go to that valley. They had to go. It's called, it's called the wilderness of Tekoa. They went there and they saw what God did. And then in verse 20, God says these powerful words. Verse 20. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20 says this. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. In other words, whatever these promises that God are giving in His Word, whatever blessings He's giving, believe in that and you will be established. And then He says, believe in His prophets and you will prosper. Key word here. God doesn't say believe the prophets. He says believe His prophets, God's prophets. There are many prophets out there in the world, but God says believe His prophets. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. Today they've got it all the way around. They say believe the prophets and they will prosper. <laughs> believe in God's prophets and you will prosper. And you will know. You will know it by their fruit. I'm coming in for a close here. I want to close off with this. When all of that happened, and wherever you are in your life right now, in the book of Joel, God talks about Jehoshaphat. Joel Joel chapter number two, sorry, chapter three. In verse two and 12, he calls it the valley of Jehoshaphat because the name Jehoshaphat means this, God judges. Many of you are in a wilderness and in that valley, it's also called the valley of decision. And in that valley of decision where you are right now, God is judging. And if you are walking with God, God is saying this, he's gonna judge your enemies. But you have to position yourself and align yourself with God for Him to do that. If you are in that valley of decision and you're not right with God, you need to make right in order to get out of that valley. Because God says in verse 14 of Joel 3, He says this, multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. What does that mean? All the enemies that came against God's people, God is going to deal with them in judgment. 
That's referring to the second coming of Christ. But symbolically, it speaks about you and me. In that valley, what are the multitudes? Those are the ones who speak against you and me. God can only judge them if you're aligned and positioned with God. And that's what God will do. He will fight the battle for you. You will not need to lift a finger. You will see that God will come through for you and change the circumstances so that you can taste and see that the Lord is good concerning all the promises and the blessings that He has for you. That is the power of God's Word. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I close over this. The Lord loves to be just. To, 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 he loves justice. He is a just God. Psalm 37, 28 says this, the Lord loves justice and he does not forsake his saints. Their children and them are remembered forever, but the children of the wicked will be destroyed. The valley of decision, the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley where God judges. Some of you need to come out of that. And you need to make a comeback to God. And I want everybody to bow their heads because there's a decision. We were talking about the value of decision. And there's a decision that you need to take. There's a few decisions we need to deal with tonight. And the first decision that we need to get to tonight, where are you in that valley? If there's anything in you that disqualifies you from going and entering into God's kingdom, if you are not aligned with God, it means that you're not walking in God's will and His ways. In other words, you are caught up in sin. If there's sin in your life that hasn't been dealt with, if it is a willful sin, if it is an addiction, and you have not dealt with it, then tonight is your night that I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for me because we want to pray for you. If you've never made the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, then tonight is your night. If you've never aligned yourself with God, and you've never made the decision to position yourself to be and walk with God, then tonight is your night. And I want to ask, whilst every head is bent down, that if that is you, that you would raise your hand for me, because tonight we want to pray for you. We really want to pray for you and to make sure that you are sure that when you leave this building tonight, that your name is written in God's Lamb's Book of Life. So if that is you, please just raise your hand for me. If there's sin in your life and it hasn't been dealt with, and sin is reigning in you, if you are caught up in sin at this moment in life, and you haven't dealt with that sin, you need to raise your hand. We're not going to expose you. We want to pray with you. That's how much we care, because God cares and God loves. So I want to ask, whilst the heads are down, please raise your hand for me, if you are that person that we can pray for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see hands. Thank you, thank you there as well. Praise God. Hallelujah for this. Please don't hold back. Please let the devil not steal your night tonight because this is your night. Raise those hands for me, please. And don't be shy. The song that we sang, Oh my soul, come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy tonight. Thank you. Can I ask all those who have raised their hands that they will please stand for me? because you are far in the distance and you are so precious. Please stand for me and come to the front. Yes, let's give them a warm welcome. There at the back, there was someone as well. Please come. Please come. This is your night. God wants to help you. Amen. Amen. Look at the young ones. Come. If you are unsure, then you must be here. Please. If there's uncertainty within you, you must come. Amen. Still coming. And whilst they're coming forward, please, can I ask ushers and counselors to please come forward and just stand behind them. 
men to men, woman to woman, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, how wonderful this is. I want all of you to look at me. You, lady, precious lady, please look. There's nothing you need to be shy and afraid of because tonight your life changes. Tonight, God has been waiting for you and you've responded. Because here is the thing. You said tonight, Lord, here I am. You've decided to align yourself with God. And I want you to raise your hands to the heaven. I'm going to lead you in prayer and ask that you would pray after me. And all of those here, please raise your hands to them. And you may as well speak the same which I lead us in prayer. Let's close our eyes. We say tonight, we say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for my sin on the cross. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in my heart that God the Father raised him from the dead. I am therefore now saved. Heavenly Father, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Wash me from all of my sins. Purify my soul. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and forgive me of all of my sins. And I forgive all people that have sinned against me. In Jesus' name, amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.